one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender, just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome to the weekend. Happy Saturday to you. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Beyond the Game program recorded in Rochester, New York. Glad to have you with us. We'll talk sports through this next hour, mix in some faith perspectives along the way. I'm Rick Benson. Joining me is Zach Barletta. Follow us on your favorite social media platform. The handle is at BTG program. Stop by our website, btgprogram.com. We think we got a good show for you today coming up on today's program. Our David Ortiz segment from two weeks ago has gotten a reaction and apparently hit a nerve with some Red Sox fans. We're going to reset that coming up in today's program. Plus, we'll talk about how one-sided the NBA Finals have been to this point. What else is there really to talk about anymore? I guess we could talk about could Curry and Durant be the best NBA duo ever? And was it really necessary for J.R. Smith to delete and or deny, whichever the case may be, A tweet made from his account right after Game 3? I really don't think it was. And of course, we'll have shenanigans. You like that. Zach has promised to make sweet melodies by rubbing his beard into the microphone. (laughs) Other fun stuff. Stick around. This is the Beyond the Game program with Rick Benson and Zach Barletta. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that can pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals, call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024 and let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. Join the Fellowship of Christian Athletes as they present Faith and Family Night Saturday, June 17th at Capelli Sports Stadium as the Rochester Rhinos take on the Ottawa Fury. Ticket prices start at just $15, with part of the ticket proceeds going to benefit the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. There'll be music featuring local Christian band Venerant and post-match testimonies, including that from Rochester Rhinos legend Doug Miller. So come on out and support your local FCA Saturday, June 17th, as the Fellowship of Christian Athletes presents Faith and Family Night at Capelli Sports Stadium. 
Game time is 6.05 p.m. Tickets can be purchased at the Rhinos box office or call 454-5425 or email tickets at rhinosoccer.com. Use code FCA because remember, part of the ticket proceeds go to benefit the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. That's Faith and Family Night, Saturday, June 17th at Capelli Sports Stadium. Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta recording the Beyond the Game program from Rochester, New York. BTGprogram.com or at BTG program. We want to take a minute and welcome in those who may be listening from Sault Ste. Marie in Ontario, Canada, home of the OHL's Greyhounds, which have produced so many great NHL players. Our friends there north of the border this week challenging, but coming up just a bit short of the top spot for the most international downloads this week of the BTG podcast. We also want to welcome in those from Andalusia, Alabama, who downloaded our most recent podcast. Robert Ory is a native of Andalusia, the first-round draft pick of the Houston Rockets out of Alabama, where he led the Tide to three SEC tournament titles. In addition to the Rockets, Ory played for the Suns, Lakers, and Spurs. He's one of only two players in NBA history to have won championships with three different teams. Thank you, Soul St. Marie. Thank you, Andalusia, Alabama. And thank you wherever you may be listening and downloading the Beyond the Game podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast, find it on iTunes, or visit our website, btgprogram.com. Now, we all know that LeBron James is the greatest player in the NBA. Listening to Paul Pierce the other night, talking about Kevin Durant having surpassed him well, that's just foolishness. He's losing his mind. Now, we can parse his words. We can evaluate his meaning. We can pick it apart as to whether or not he was actually saying that Durant is currently playing at a level higher than LeBron. But either way, that's foolish. There's just no way. Durant is a great player. He's having a great series. But LeBron James is better. LeBron James. In watching these games, though, it's very apparent. The Golden State Warriors, they're a superior team. They're a better team. The pieces assembled around Durant are not only superior to those surrounding James, but they elevate, those pieces elevate Durant's game more so than James benefits from the pieces that are making up the rest of the Cavaliers roster. LeBron James is doing what he's doing on his own. It's what puts him in that conversation, in my opinion, with Michael Jordan as being the greatest ever. Jordan had that, he had that certain something, which gave him the ability to almost will his team to victory, to just take over at any moment, take over a game and just dominate, impose his will. In my opinion, it was missing from LeBron James's game, which is why I thought Jordan was the greatest to ever play the game. That is until last year's finals. And and now, I, I got to tell you, I just don't know. I think much of the debate is generational, for sure. Older folks go with Jordan. Younger folks go with LeBron. But I, I tell you, I, I just don't know. During last year's finals, when the Cavs were down, James took over. And he brought them all the way back, bringing the Cavaliers, as everybody knows, their, their first NBA title, the city of Cleveland, their first title of any kind in years and years and years. 
And as we record this broadcast on Thursday for a Saturday morning broadcast, as we speak, the Cavs are down three games to none, once again staring at an elimination game. But as you're listening, it may well be over, and the Warriors may have swept their way through the playoffs. More than likely, though, I believe we'll probably, as you're hearing this, we'll probably be sitting three games to one because LeBron is just that good. And he's going to impose his will and get at least one victory, I would think, out of these finals. But that's going to be it. There won't be a comeback this year. Because as great as he is, he can't do it alone. The Warriors are too good. Obviously, adding Durant makes a big difference. Perhaps why Jordan still has a slight edge over LeBron, because maybe like the way Durant currently, the pieces around him were not only better in their own regards, but they elevated his game, Jordan's that is, to another level. They made him even better. I don't see how you can watch these games and not think that James is on his own and the rest of the Cavaliers are simply along for the ride. That kind of dominance that the Warriors hold over the rest of the league, and even, I guess, Cleveland holds over the East, I don't think it's good for the NBA. Adam Silver was on national TV during Game 3 and said it's too early to say that when asked that very question. But come on, man, that's a bunch of hogwash. He was dancing around the question, trying to give a very intentional answer, one which you know nobody believed anyhow. Nobody believed that. Why? Why is it too early to say that? Why can't we say that? In what way could it be good for the NBA to have the Warriors as dominant as they are, and and in the East anyway, the the Cavaliers as dominant as they are? How, how, How is it good when no team has a chance, outside of prolonged injury, that is, to one of those stars on those two teams, but since there can be no debate on which team is the greatest, right now it's the Warriors, they're the best, and since the debate about who is the greatest of all time, Is it Jordan? Is it LeBron? And I know some others have their favorites. That's kind of gotten to be a tired old debate, though. It's time to start debating maybe who the greatest pair of teammates are. Is it Shaq and Kobe? Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Maybe you're Larry Bird and Kevin McHale. And, And there's a number of great ones. Maybe it was Jordan and Pippen. But after just one season together, I think we'll soon be including Steph Curry and Kevin Durant in that discussion. Now, I think one championship together in just one season, that's a little too early to say they're the greatest of all time, but they're pretty stinking good together. You know, Zach, that I I like to see sustained runs. I like to see consecutive titles. Mm -hmm. We've debated several times if a team can be a dynasty without back-to-back titles, and in my my opinion, they can't be. You have to have back-to-backs. If you don't do that, if you can't win consecutive titles, then I can't put you in the discussion of greatest of all times because that's what the great ones can do. In Miami, LeBron had Dwayne Wade. Albeit, I think it was a D-Wade which was slightly diminished from the D-Wade that won a title without LeBron before he had arrived. But he's nobody like that in Cleveland. No doubt Kyrie Irving is terrific. No doubt great player. But Irving has not teamed with LeBron the way to bring both their games to another level the way that Pippen did with Jordan or the way Tim Duncan did with a David Robinson in San Antonio. I'd like to see the Cavs come back. I'd like to see them make a series of it. And again, we're recording this Thursday night. Maybe you're hearing this and it's all said and done. But to do that two seasons in a row, I just, I don't see it. 
Never been done as before, as far as I can tell. Nobody came back from such deficits two years in a row. Now, he took some heat for this, but I kind of like the attitude of Cleveland's J.R. Smith. Shortly after his team's Game 3 loss, he tweeted, and then he quickly deleted this statement, that Cavs in 7. What's the problem with that? Cavs in 7. Why delete that? Why were people giving in, in the media being critical of this? Isn't that the sort of thing we teach our kids? You can do it. It's not over yet. Don't give up. In regards to that tweet, Smith said, his quote is this, I got out of the shower and my phone was buzzing. I did not tweet that. I'm smarter than that. Well, I don't know if that's true, but I also don't know what about the tweet wasn't smart. Good for you. We want a team with spunk. We like to root for a team that has the spirit to fight their way back. It's fun to watch a team that, even when they're down, they believe they can come back and win. That confidence in your team's ability to win, regardless of the circumstances, is thrilling. In fact, it's infectious, really, as as we start to believe, too. When you see your team believing like that, and you sort of, you kind of gain that. It's fun. It's why we love sports. What if we could take those feelings and apply them to real life? What if we could trust in God the way we believe in our sports teams sometimes? To be able to fully rest on the power and ability in a God that created the very heavens and earth. Man, it would be, it'd be thrilling. And yet we worry. And yet we struggle at times, searching for peace in difficult situations. I get it, we're all human. Psalm 13, verses 5 and 6 says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. There are times, of course, when it's easy to trust in God. Things are going well. To be able to rejoice in his salvation, as the passage says, just as it's easy to trust in your team when they have a big league in a game. You know, your ball team is up 10 runs. It's easy to trust they're going to win that. ESPN and other networks have fallen in love with percentages. Here's your, they have a 98% chance of winning at this point. I think that that's also goofy. But it's easy when you have a big lead. It's easy when things are going well to trust in God. But there are other times when life, man, life is hard. When sadness, it just sort of dominates your day, your heart, your mind. So much so that we wonder, is God really there for us? How can we rejoice, let alone sing with gladness? This chapter, Psalm 13, it teaches us that we can have faith in God even in troubling times. Because we see that David, who wrote the passage, he was able to. If you only read verse 5 and 6, you might think that he was just in you know, one of those good times when faith in God comes easy. Though he had a five-run lead in the ninth with Mariano Rivera coming out of the bullpen. But when we read the preceding verses, we see that David's struggling. Oh, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. David's feeling forgotten by God. Have you been there? I know I have. He's dealing with sorrow. His enemies are, are, are gaining victories. 
Maybe you can apply that to your own life, your enemies, your credit card bills, your whatever it is, the the boss, or things are gaining victory. Asking, He's asking God, how long is this going to go on? Haven't you done that? And yet he pauses to declare his faith and his joy in God, even intending to sing, to celebrate God's goodness. How's he able to do that? David was just a man like you or I. He had the same flaws. He had the same temptations and struggles that we have. They're written and recorded for history to to look at, to mock at times and say, how could he do such things? But he was just a man. I'm glad that my flaws haven't been recorded for all to read about like his have throughout history. David recalls times when God had rescued him in the past. He remembers that God has has indeed been good to him. He realizes that God can very well rescue him again. He's done it once. He can do it again. Just like when Mariano comes out of the bullpen, he used to come out. You knew he could save the game. He always has. You know that LeBron can take over a game at any point. He's done it so many times. When we go through difficult times, it would serve us well to reflect on the many blessings that God has bestowed on us, the times he has delivered us, the good things he's given us. That may be difficult when we're so heavily swallowed up, so consumed by pain, by sorrow. But going into that quiet place or, you know, alone with with a good friend to be intentional about remembering God's blessings. Maybe you're doing it alone, just somewhere where it's just you and God and you're just reflecting on God's blessings, naming them one by one, as the old hymn would say. David also remembers the character of God and how he keeps his promise and just how much he loves us. That doesn't change as a result of your circumstances. Whether things are good or whether they're bad doesn't change how much God loves you, and it doesn't change that he will keep his promises. It can be hard for us to always understand the ways of God, why he allows us to go through certain things, but he does promise to sustain us, and we should never forget that. His love is clearly revealed Man, you can see God's love. You can see it in the cross, in the death of his son. It's sufficient to sustain us, to encourage us in the most difficult of times. It enables us to trust the Lord and maybe even rejoice in those hard times. I want to thank you for being with us. We've got more to do. Please stick around. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. We'll be back right after this. It'll soon be easier to stream ECC games in the near future. Time for the Red Hawks Report for this week, June 10th, 2017. The Red Hawks Report being presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. The East Coast Conference announced this week a partnership deal with Blue Frame Technology to create the ECC Network, a conference-wide video streaming platform. The three-year deal will encompass all live stream video content for each of the ECC's 10 member institutions, including Roberts Wesleyan College. Each ECC member institution will have their own video portal available through their website to easily access live-streamed video content. In addition, BlueFrame will develop apps which will allow ECC network content to be viewed on Apple TV, Amazon Fire, Android TV, and Roku devices. And after a fine season which was mentioned here numerous times, the Red Hawks women's cross-country and track and field programs 
finished 12th overall in the National Program of the Year Award for NCAA Division II. This award and its rankings are named by the U.S. Track and Field and Cross Country Coaches Association. Another season is going to be here soon enough, but for all the latest news and announcements, follow Robert Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter, at RWC Redhawks. Get scores, highlights, and other bits of information pertaining to Roberts Wesleyan Athletics by visiting the RWC Athletics website, athletics.roberts.edu. This has been the Red Hawks Report, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances, and 96 student-athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program at BTG program. I'm Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. All right, Zach, let's get into this week's shenanigan statements. All right, first off, an article in the USA Today this week claimed that MLB is suffering from a quote-unquote drop in action due to the rising home run rate and strikeouts and drop in batting average and stolen bases. Truth or shenanigans, these trends pose a problem for Major League Baseball. You know, I'd say shenanigans because you know the old saying, chicks dig the long ball. Right. We all do, though. I mean, if home runs are flying out of the park, it almost doesn't matter what else is going on. Baseball came back from one of its darkest times after that strike, thanks to the long balls of Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. And it may be and probably is why they look the other way for so long at PEDs, because home runs are good for the game. So I ask you, I mean, is there anything better? then even if your team is down, when a guy comes to the plate that can put your team in front with just one swing, is there anything better than that? There isn't because it's so exciting and, mm-hmm. and it keeps us interested. You could be down by two runs. Aaron Judge strolls to the plate with two men on. Mm-hmm. You're watching because you're, you're into yeah. this knowing that you're he, not, you're not going to get in line for the bathroom when Aaron Judge is right. The long play. home run there can, yeah, I don't think it's hurting the game at all. No, and, and I, I, say shenanigans i agree with you that you know it it, look i was at two games this week both of them were low scoring games not a lot of hitting and as much as i love baseball it got a little dull after a while you know you you as a fan you want to see fireworks you want to see balls being hit all over the place you want to see runs being scored and i mean some of the sluggers in the game right now are young guys you know guys younger than me you know guys like mike trout and aaron judge and and these exciting young players, fans want to see offense. As, as fun as a pitcher's duel is, there's nothing better than offense. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I love the, they are young guys. And they're Like you say, they're all younger than me. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Speaking of Mike Trout and Aaron Judge, number two, Mike Trout's injury means Aaron Judge is a legitimate contender for the AL Most Valuable Player. I think this is an interesting question. And I say, I, I agree. And I think it's interesting because even before the injury, he was a legitimate contender. Mm-hmm. Now, Mike Trout was really doing what he needed to do mm-hmm. to lead that race, I guess, at the time. You know, it's still early in the season, although we're getting to the point where it's hard to say it's early. Mm-hmm. But 
we're still in the first half of the season. But yeah, I, legitimate, absolutely. Why not? I agree as well. Um, he's putting up MVP type numbers. You know, the the batting average is high. The on base percentage is very high because he's getting his share of walks. The home runs, obviously, he's you know the league leader, um, and he's on a surprising contender of a team. So, I mean, all the ingredients are there. Because of the large, the, the long home runs, he's getting all the press coverage that he's going to need to get the votes. He's the leading vote getter for the All-Star game in the American League. I think it's the only question there is, do you think that he can keep this pace up or that he kind of comes back to the pack a little bit? We're a third of the way into the season. He's not slowing down. So I think you have to say he is a legitimate front runner for the MVP. I would agree. Phillies legend Mike Schmidt said recently that Phillies outfielder Odubel Herrera cannot be a team leader because of the language barrier. Truth or shenanigans, a quote-unquote team leader needs to have English as a first language. I agree. Now, I'm not talking, I'm talking about the team leader, not one of the leaders, because perhaps a guy can be a leader to a group of guys, but I think to have the entire locker room, I think they need to be able to connect with not only the players on the team, but they need to be able to do that with the media, win over the front office. And in doing so, because they get along with everybody in the locker room, they get along with the media, they get along with the, the front office, they, they become an example of to everybody else. And to do that, I think you're going to need to speak English. See, I disagree. Uh, it's less important now than it ever has been. Because if you look at the makeup of so many teams now, there are so many Hispanic players. There's a sprinkling of Japanese and Korean players. There's, you know, players from... We just had the first African-born player. You know, I think there are so many languages and cultures represented now that I think you could have, say, a Spanish-speaking team leader. And while Odubel Herrera might not be the quote-unquote team leader on a lot of other teams... On the Phillies, he's the old graybeard, you know, it is what his third year in the league. But I think you look at a guy like um, the first guy that came to mind for me was Ichiro Suzuki, where his teammates always said in the clubhouse he would give these profanity laced motivational speeches and he would make the guys laugh and he'd pump them up and stuff. And then he'd give his interview to the media with the translator. And it wasn't that he couldn't speak English, it was just that he didn't want to be misinterpreted. So he wanted to, you know, he didn't want to have his words taken out of context, so he used a translator. And I think in today's game, I think that's doable. I think that's okay. On a similar topic, Boston Red Sox announcer Jerry Remy said this week that pitchers who don't speak English should not be allowed to have translators present during mound visits. Truth or shenanigans, translators should be banned. What do you think? I say shenanigans. I mean, I could see it if you are um, really looking at it as an angle of uh, the pace of the pace of play argument where all right getting a translator out there might take a few extra seconds but i mean you want to get the the call right you want to make sure that your um strategy is being expressed correctly i think have a translator out there you know i mean th- these guys will eventually pick up english but just for the sake of all involved i don't think it's a problem having a translator out there and i agree with you i say shenanigans on the statement i don't see what it hurts i mean really why why did why does it matter we want to see the best players available playing the game so once they get here they shouldn't be disadvantaged because they don't don't know or haven't yet learned the language I, it just sounds to me like Remy's bitter about something. He's actually one of those guys saying, well, back in my day. And he has 
to, to in all full disclosure, he has sort of backtracked on his comments since then. I would imagine because he started getting called a racist all over the internet. But well, that's the first card people want to drop, and I don't I don't think that's necessarily being a racist. It's right. just you know because you don't want. Maybe maybe you don't want the translator out there because it's not old school. You go out there, it's the pitching coach that goes out there. You're not some pitching coach and and somebody right. else from the dugout. People still have a problem when Andy Pettit and who was Derek Jeter went out to take Mariano Rivera out of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, people still have a problem with that because it wasn't the manager. I've heard some people say, "Well, you know, that shouldn't be that way." Well, those people just hate fun, and you well, shouldn't listen I, to them. I agree, and maybe Jer- Jerry Remy does too. <laughs> the New York Jets have stated that they'll trade or release wide receiver Eric Decker this week, adding him to a list of veterans that includes wide receiver Brandon Marshall, linebacker David Harris, cornerback Darrell Revis, offensive lineman <laughs> Nick Mangold, and others this offseason. Truth or shenanigans, the Jets will be the worst team in football this season. I, I agree, but that's not really a surprise. I mean, I read an article <laughs> this week about how the poor draft decisions by the Jets just two or three seasons ago have put them in this situation mm-hmm. of seemingly getting worse, not better. When you whiff on the draft the way the Jets have, you're setting the team up for failure. Taking away capable, if, if not aging, veteran players certainly isn't going to help. I mean, we all laugh at the Browns, but anyone who knows football can look at the pieces they've been putting together, and the found they've got a foundation there for something good. You can good. see the direction that they're going. Yeah. Hey, sorry, Jet fans, but you're going to be wishing you were the Browns. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think the, the Jets might have been the worst team in football with those veterans on the team. Without them, I think they've just guaranteed it. I think maybe they're playing for one of those top draft picks next year in a draft with a lot of good quarterbacks. Well, that's a good point. There's a lot of quarterbacks going to be in this draft. But, I mean, you might be looking at Christian Hackenberg. I mean, they got Josh McCown. and Josh McCown's all right. He's a league average quarterback. But if something happens to him, you're looking at Christian Hackenberg as your quarterback or, or, or Bryce Petty. You know, I just... Two guys I, who haven't been given an opportunity. Right. But I look up and down that roster and, and I'm... You know, I just see a bunch of guys that, yikes, this could be really, really bad. Last but not least, a piece on ESPN this week claimed that Sidney Crosby's and Evgeny Malkin's, quote, legacies are on the line if the Penguins lose the Stanley Cup final to Nashville. Truth or shenanigans, a cup lost this year would change the way we view Pittsburgh stars. Not a chance. Shenanigans. They've won titles, and you can't deny them that. You can't take that away. Pittsburgh's been playing a hot team in Nashville. Look, sometimes it's not about who you play, it's when you play them. And even if Nashville were to somehow win this series, there's no shame in losing to a, to a very potent Predators team. And mm-hmm. it's certainly not anything that will diminish anyone's legacies. Look, both Crosby and Malkin, they've had spectacular careers regardless of the outcome of this particular series. I completely agree with you. Um I just I kind of laughed out loud when I saw that headline because I was like, these are guys that are some of the best players in the league. Malkin's leading the league in playoff scoring. These are guys that have won two cups together. You know, if you lose to Nashville, yeah, Nashville was the underdog, but they maybe shouldn't have been. I think Nashville was just criminally underrated. We talked about that a week or two ago on this show, in fact. And these are guys that are going to be in the Hall of Fame. There's no doubt in my mind their legacies are already secure. Yeah, it's this is one of those stories that networks do simply to get a reaction. Mm-hmm. Whether they believe it or not, probably doesn't even matter because I'm sure they don't even believe it, what they're own saying, what they're actually saying. 
but they do it to get a reaction. Just like the story about uh, the Pittsburgh in the Pittsburgh press calling Nashville not a hockey city, and that's fine. They're not a traditional hockey city, but they're having fun. There's, you can't deny yeah. how thousands excitement. of people in the streets for every game. They're yeah, just, they're, and they're saying, well, the it's false. They're doing, they're they're pumping no, crowd noise through the through the sound system. It's not authentic. Just Whatever. stop. Look at the people. They're having a great time. Why are you being, you know, the old guy in this situation? Leave them alone. Let them have some fun. Yeah, don't be a Jerry Remy. Thanks for being part of the Beyond the Game program this morning. We're going to be back in just a little bit. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. It's here. Ram Sports Network. Christian Sports Television. That's right. Christian Sports Television. Ram Sports Network is the first Christian sports TV channel with programming from Pee Wee to the pros. Games, events, sports talk, fitness and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network. More than a game. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family-owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. Rick Benson, Zach Barletta, Mixing Sports, Together with Faith. You know, it doesn't happen often. and In fact, I, I actually wish it would happen a bit more frequently. But we don't get a lot of interaction with our listeners. Maybe that is a good thing. <laughs> I think most people probably hear something on the radio and they're pretty content to either agree or disagree there in their car or wherever they're listening without having to pick up a phone and call the host and tell them their opinion. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, there you know a number of talk shows are set up with that very format in mind, though most of the time these are national programs because locally that doesn't work well because there just isn't enough people interested in calling into a radio station to tell them their opinion on stuff. And for those people who do regularly call into radio programs, they're not always available because their parents may want them to at times clean the basement and then go find a job. <laughs> Every once in a while, something is said, though, that does stir a reaction, even on a weekly radio program such as this. It took two weeks. I don't know why, but it took two weeks. I spent some time going back and forth via email with a group of, I don't know, there was three, four, maybe five people who wanted to take me to task for my views on David Ortiz, which were part of our program, which aired back on uh, May 27th. I suspect it took two weeks because, you know what, the Yankees played the Red Sox this week. So I'm guessing that this settled into their craw two weeks ago when they heard it, and it's just sort of festered their sense. And now that the series began, suddenly it just became too much for them, and they had to let me know their thoughts. 
I had frosted their fanny, essentially, and, the, you know, it just it became too much for them. They had to let it go. Afraid the strain was more than he could bear. Now, let me be clear that I said David Ortiz belongs in the Hall of Fame. I, I acknowledged what a great hitter he was, and maybe still is, with rumors of him coming out of retirement to rejoin the Red Sox. They continue to circulate. I did say, though, that it wouldn't be right for Ortiz to go into the Hall and not Edgar Martinez, or at least together. Although it wouldn't surprise me if Ortiz got in and Martinez didn't, considering the special treatment that Big Poppy has always gotten from media and fans due to his larger-than-life personality. He owned Boston. He was a legend there. He was a hero to so many. And yes, he is a Hall of Famer. But he's also associated with PEDs, and this is what really bugged that group of people. The, guy, the one guy emails me, he copies in several others who then decide to tell me exactly what they thought of me and my opinions. And um, in true Boston fashion, their language was very colorful, to say the least. Obviously, I, I had hit a nerve. Now, I did not set out to aggravate anybody with the segment that we did on David Ortiz. I presented some facts, like the fact that in 2009, the New York Times printed a report which included his name with several other big names as having tested positive for using performance-enhancing drugs back in 2003. That's a fact. Ortiz questions the validity of the test, and, and there appears to be some legitimate questions surrounding the handling of the test, and fine. I'm not saying he did those PEDs. What I'm saying is he failed the test, and yet he is treated differently than those other guys who also failed the test. Same situation. Failed the test without having really been proven to have taken PEDs. Mm -hmm. Yet David Ortiz gets a pass. He's treated differently. But in an interview recently, Ortiz blamed the Yankees and the New York media for leaking that report for, to the New York Times because they wanted to even things out since so many Yankees tested positive. This was, a, this was the basis for the segment we did. Stop blaming other people and take responsible, take responsibility for yourself is what I was saying. Look, he may very well have not taken them. That's fine. Question the validity of the test. That's fine. But don't blame other people. Don't drag others into it. I want to replay that segment because of the reaction that it got. In addition to this group of nut jobs, I also got a couple text from regular listeners, people that I know, they have my cell number, and some were agreeing with me, some were just poking a little fun back at me, and, and there was one guy, who he just wanted to keep the conversation going a little bit. Seems appropriate that w as we enter into our fourth year of doing this program that we bring up one of our favorite topics, <laughs> that of David Ortiz. Oh, boy. One of the greatest power hitters, really, of all time. I mean, really, he's a terrific hitter. He was so good in the clutch situations, especially against the Yankees. Just seemed to always hurt the Yankees, which in a rivalry such as the Yankees-Red Sox, being so clutch, especially against your rival, mm -hmm. I mean, it just creates legends, makes you bigger than life. Oh, and yeah. Fans can often overlook and downplay the negative aspect of their hero's games. David Ortiz was a great power hitter, but wasn't really a great first baseman. You know, is he a Hall of Famer? I think so. Absolutely. I, I would think so. But if Edgar Martinez isn't in by the time Ortiz is eligible, 
then I say no. I mean, Edgar Martinez has to go in first or at the same time. Absolutely, yeah. Because they're basically very similar type players, right? Oh, one, absolutely. One dimensional. Yeah, I think, I think Big Poppy absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame, but until Edgar Martinez is in, he can wait. Well, you and I agree on that. And cer- certainly it was his own abilities. Certainly it was also that he was playing in Boston and helped bring a World Series title to a city that had gone over yeah. 100 years without one. Certainly it was his star performance against their biggest rival, the Yankees. But it was also the marketing machine of Major League Baseball, which turned David Ortiz into something larger than life. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem with that at all. But please don't tell me that it hasn't at least gone to his head a little bit. Red Sox fans tend to give Ortiz a free pass when it comes to his ego. Now, he would. this is a guy that would stand so close to the plate, so tight on the plate, that sometimes if a pitch even caught the inside part of the plate, the umpires wouldn't call it a strike. Because mm-hmm. one, it's David Ortiz, and two, it's so close to him because of where he's standing mm-hmm. that, I don't know, maybe they were fooled, but they wouldn't call it a strike. Beyond that, he would be outraged seemingly offended that a pitcher would dare throw him inside. He would actually get upset about it, it seemed. Uh, uh, And the pitch wouldn't even be that far inside. Like I say, it might have even been a strike and you just didn't get the call. Mm -hmm. I'm still baffled why teams, especially the Yankees, because he hit them so hard, why they didn't throw him inside more. Heck, I would have hit him. You Mm -hmm. know, not to hurt him, but to get him off the plate. You know, throw inside. You got to move that guy for whatever reason. The Yankees never seem to do that. I have no idea why. Despite his surly attitude at times, baseball turned him into this big, huggable giant of a man. You know, he was a great power hitter, but he'd also been connected to PEDs, yet that never seemed to get mentioned. Mm-hmm. And yet he was still portrayed as this laughable, lovable guy. Sometimes professional ballplayers, they have a hard time letting go. Regardless of the sport, one of the most common things they say is hard to walk away from is the camaraderie in the locker room. Mm -hmm. And I got that word out right. I always struggle saying that word. Do you have a word that you have difficulty saying? Most of them. (laughs) (laughs) Camaraderie, and I'm focusing on it to get it out. It's Uh just for whatever reason, I can't say that. My wife struggles with the word ancient. She can't. Really? She does. It's my wife is. I understand because there's like a, there's a lot of syllables in it. Ancient. That's kind of for especially since she's a teacher. That's kind of. Weird. She's one of the brightest, if not the brightest, mm-hmm. person I've ever met. But she can't say the word ancient. She she it troubles. Anyway, the camaraderie for a ball player and an athlete is difficult to walk away from. It's why some retire, then they unretire, then they retire again. Because they miss that lifestyle. They miss that locker room atmosphere. And, of course, there's numerous other reasons that make it hard for somebody to walk away from the game. And maybe you can relate because you've become adjusted to your lifestyle, whatever it is that you do in your workplace. And, you know, wherever you're listening from, if you've done it for a long time, you get used to that. Then all of a sudden you're retired and you don't know what to do with yourself. Yeah. I know some some people, when it comes to retirement age, they just they run out the door first chance they get. But others, they just hang on because they don't know what to do themselves. One of the many other reasons that professional athletes have a hard time letting go is because they love the attention. Mm-hmm. They love being in the headlines. They love being talked about, and they can't seem to handle it when nobody talks about them anymore. I don't think that applies to David Ortiz, do you? 
I think it might because <laughs> is he dealing with this? It wasn't that long ago when there were rumors during the spring that maybe he wanted to come back already. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, look, I get that. All your, so many of the people you know are reporting for spring training. The calendar says it's time to go back to work and yet you're sitting at home trying to pick out which pair of Bermuda shorts to wear that day. I, I get it. It's, you probably got an itch that needs to be scratched and scratched away, but now we hear that Ortiz went on WEEI in Boston just this past week and is still trying to denounce, cover up, justify, go ahead, pick your word, the 2009 New York Times report, which included his name with the likes of Alex Rodriguez, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Manny Ramirez, and other guys who tested positive for performance, for using performance enhancing drugs in 2003. Keep in mind that the test results were intended to remain anonymous and that this list was supposed to be completely confidential. Obviously, that didn't happen. Somehow it got out. It was the results of this supposedly anonymous 2003 testing, which Major League Baseball and its Players Association were going to use to determine how widespread PED usage was and from that, institute a policy, a full-fledged drug testing policy. Oh, and the other thing to keep in mind, this was not a report revealing those suspected of using PEDs. This was a list of players who tested positive. David Ortiz's name was on that list. Alex Rodriguez, Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, all been embarrassed, all been discredited, to some degree or another, except for one, David Ortiz. Mm -hmm. I have never been able to understand why that is, apart from the marketing machine that is Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. In the recent interview with WEEI, Ortiz claims it was a conspiracy originating out of New York. He said the test results were leaked because too many Yankee players were testing positive, and now I can only think of three, Knobloch, Pettit, and, of course, Roger Clemens. Mm -hmm. So he says that so many Yankee players were testing positive that the New York Times leaked the Red Sox players to sort of even things out. Three doesn't seem to need to be evened out to me. Right. Ortiz said, quote, I always sit down and think about what was the reason for them to come out with something like that. The only thing that I can think of, a lot of guys from the Yankees were getting caught. Well, how about this? How about... Your name was included on the list. So and that's, you're a superstar. It's news. It is news. You know? As of the re, as a result of that report in the New York Times, Rodriguez got shredded. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, he's handled the whole thing very poorly, lied on a number of occasions. For But for what it's worth, he did eventually hold a press conference, and he did eventually say that he used steroids as a member when he was with the Texas Rangers for the three years he spent there. Mm -hmm. Most people remember that press conference very well. What they don't remember is the press conference that David Ortiz had at Yankee Stadium in all places later that summer, where he said that, where's his quote here? He said he was careless earlier in his career that he never used steroids. His quote is this, I definitely was a little bit careless back in those days when I was buying legal supplements and legal vitamins over the counter. But I never buy steroids or use steroids. I never thought about buying supplements and vitamins was going to hurt anybody's feelings. That happened. I'm sorry about that. Now, I've always scoffed at Jason Giambi's apology 
mm-hmm. saying I'm sorry, but not really saying what I'm sorry for. It was that. Remember that? That was a weird, yeah, weird apology. But this is just as weird. Why would you be sorry for buying vitamins and supplements? That is, if they were legal, mm-hmm. vitamins and supplements. What about buying legal supplements or legal vitamins is careless? I mean, that is, unless you're buying them from a company named Balco and it comes shipped to your door <laughs> in a box and a brown paper wrapper with no information on it. And that's the standard uh, excuse you get from everybody. Oh, I bought some supplements and some vitamins and I didn't check the ingredients and I don't know how it got in there and that's my bad. You know, like that's just the stock excuse that he could basically have copied and pasted from anybody. Now, in fairness to Ortiz and everyone listed in that 2003 screening, Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred said last year while he was in Boston that there were double-digit number of names on that list that they knew had legitimate questions about the accuracy of the results. So he may have, in fact, may never have used PEDs, but he did test positive. So the 2009 report of the results that showed positive tests should create more questions, it would seem, than it has. Mm -hmm. Yet he's always gotten a pass especially for a guy that came out of nowhere the way he did after he left Minnesota. You know, he may not be guilty. Only he and a handful of others may really know. But in my opinion, there's certainly enough there to ask the question. If I had a Hall of Fame vote, I would put him in. Mm -hmm. Like we said at the top, as long as Edgar Martinez is in, I'm going to put David Ortiz in. But you said it well. If, If Edgar's not in yet, David Ortiz has to wait because they're the same Type although I guess home runs are weighed more of more value than average, and mm. Edgar Martinez was more of a higher average hitter, mm. but just a great, great hitter. Oh, absolutely, a, a really terrific hitter. But the report is out there; it's part of his legacy, just as it is for Andy Pettit. Mm-hmm. I doubt it will have any effect on his Hall of Fame chances. That is Ortiz, but I think that's what he's doing: damage control. Blaming the New York Times, blaming the New York Yankees, blame everyone. Ortiz also said in the WEEI interview, it's not up to me anymore about the Hall of Fame. I think I did what I was supposed to. I worked extremely hard to represent Boston the way I did. So obviously it's on his mind. It's important to him. I get that. But blaming others is sort of missing the point. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that there was something to leak. It really isn't a matter, although I think it's wrong if it was leaked, obviously, but that's not the point. The point is you tested positive for EPEDs. Yeah, the the leak happened because he was a big name and a superstar in the game of baseball. There were a lot of other names on that list that weren't leaked because nobody cared who they were. You know, that's why you see names like A-Rod and Poppy and Manny Ramirez and stuff. Your name wasn't leaked because you played in Boston and the leak came from New York. Your name was leaked because it was one of the biggest names that could possibly have been on that list. You know, like it's it's a no-brainer. Questioning the accuracy of the test process, questioning the accuracy of the results, fine, I get that. I, I, I would too. If he believes himself to be clean, that's fine. But blaming others for leaking it, you're, you're missing the point there. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. At some point, we will all give an account of everything that we have ever done, both good and bad. 
We will stand before a holy God with the truth laid out before us, and we will give an account for our lives. We will answer for the choices we have made, the things we have said, and all which we've done. The Christian faith puts an emphasis on confession, on repentance. Confession and repentance of sins is necessary for salvation, for entry into eternal life in heaven. Personal responsibility, well, it's a huge part of the Christian lifestyle. The true Christian lifestyle, I should say, I guess. It's much easier to say that you're going to take personal account responsibility than it is to actually do it. But no one else is responsible for your sins other than you. We're the ones behind our attitudes. We're the ones behind our actions. And when we accept personal responsibility in these areas, we're then in a position to be able to change those areas where we're wrong. Too many people avoid taking responsibility for their own actions. It's sort of like they, you know, they believe that they can hide behind them. Our courts are filled with people that are just blaming somebody else. Well, it wasn't my fault. Mm -hmm. You you hear these stories where somebody's robbing a house and they actually end up suing the homeowner because they tripped and fell over a skateboard or something Mm -hmm. ridiculous like that. But this has been true since the beginning of creation. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam blamed Eve. Genesis 3.12, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. One verse later, Eve shifted the blame to the serpent. Uh, Well, she said, the serpent deceived me and I ate in Genesis 3.13. For some, like I say, it's just sort of a safe place for them, not taking personal responsibility. They can justify their actions or even their lack of action if I blame somebody else other than me. It takes strength. It takes character. It takes integrity to take personal responsibility. It takes discipline and, and courage to accept blame and fault, but it's the very first step to a restored relationship with God. The missteps in your life, they're not God's faults. They're ours. Blaming him or or blaming anyone else is just a cop-out. Lord, I've messed up. Me, I did. Forgive me, please. Help me pick up the pieces and move on. I want to encourage you, take responsibility for your attitudes, for your actions, You can even take responsibility for the friends you associate with. Are they good influence on you or are they not? I'm Benson. He's Barletta. We'll be back right after this. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Join the Fellowship of Christian Athletes as they present Faith and Family Night Saturday, June 17th at Capelli Sports Stadium as the Rochester Rhinos take on the Ottawa Fury. Ticket prices start at just $15, with part of the ticket proceeds going to benefit the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. There'll be music featuring local Christian band Venerant and post-match testimonies, including that from Rochester Rhinos legend Doug Miller. So come on out and support your local FCA Saturday, June 17th, as the Fellowship of Christian Athletes presents Faith and Family Night at Capelli Sports Stadium. Game time is 6.05 p.m., 
Tickets can be purchased at the Rhinos box office or call 454-5425 or email tickets at rhinosoccer.com. Use code FCA because remember, part of the ticket proceeds go to benefit the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. That's Faith and Family Night, Saturday, June 17th at Capelli Sports Stadium. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Welcome back to the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. We like to close out the show every week telling you what it is that we like. We look for something something good from the world of sports. Philippians 3.13 is one of my favorite scriptures. I make so many mistakes along the way that I've learned to learn from these mistakes and to let them go. It says this, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. In a game Wednesday night in Cincinnati between the Reds and the Cardinals, Reds shortstop Zach Cozart hit a sharp liner down a third base line that went over the bag straight towards the ball boy, and it had some significant velocity behind it. I should point that out. The ball boy made a nice backhand play on the ball, fielding it cleanly. The only problem was it was a fair ball. Now, hopefully he's familiar with and applies that Bible verse because he's going to be hearing about this for a long time to come. If you saw the video, (laughs) It was rather amusing, as once he realized the ball had been called fair, he simply dropped it from his glove like nothing had ever happened. Now, in fairness to the ball boy, it was a scorcher, and it was careening right at him. The ball was on top of him, I think, before the umpire even made the call, or at least he was already in position to catch it, maybe partly out of self-defense before the umpire's call. The Cincinnati Reds ball boy, both his fine defensive play and his humorous reaction to his mistake, are what I like this week. What I liked this week was Nashville Predators rookie Frederick Goudreau, who'd barely gotten any playing time and uh, in the NHL until this Stanley Cup final, is playing because Ryan Johansson is hurt and promptly scored his first three career goals in the Stanley Cup final. So Frederick Goudreau making an impact as a rookie is what I liked this week. You like that? You like that? Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Thanks to you for being with us. This has been the Beyond the Game program. Please consider partnering with our ministry of sharing the gospel through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website for more information, btgprogram.com. And be sure to check out the Myth and Mysteries podcast. If you enjoy myths, curious stories, unsolved mysteries, and such, then you'll appreciate this podcast, which our producer, Zach Barletta, does with his brother Spencer. Myth and Mysteries, available on iTunes and Google Play. Visit their website, mythandmysteriespod.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody.